Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Sadir Hasbe, the Chief Product Officer for Neo4j. Sadir, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, thank you, Jason, and looking forward to conversation today. Let me set just a little bit of our context for our discussion today. We all have learned and continue to know the importance of data for every federal mission. At the same time, the challenge for every federal agency is there's a lot of data. It can be hard to find. And how do you use that data to gain those valuable insights? The challenge, of course, is to break down data silos to make better data-driven decisions. And this will obviously lead to improved efficiency, better cost-effectiveness for each decision and really each mission area across government. So how can agencies unify and mobilize complex data? How can they improve mission-critical decision-making through better data? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Uh, so here, let's jump right into it. Uh, why is it important? And I think we know why, but what are agencies doing? Why do we keep talking about this vast amount of data and how to manage it, how to get better about using it to drive really decisions? Uh, that's a great question, uh, Jason. And, you know, as you mentioned, the, the data size in organizations, like all our agencies and for all the programs, is only growing. And this size and complexity of the data has been growing over many, many years. And that's because the world is becoming more connected and more complex. And, and the data only reflects the world and the missions as well as the uh, programs that are running in the agency. So as these things become more complex, the world becomes more connected. The amount of data that we are collecting is becoming bigger. And it is also becoming, as you said, siloed. And it's also becoming harder to analyze and understand. And I think the most important thing for all of our agencies is to figure out what is important in that data, figure out what's unusual, like what are the anomalies? Because passing through like you know terabytes or petabytes of data is not an easy thing. And then figuring out what's next out of the data, what actions can you take, is the real challenge for, for our agencies and, and everybody. So basically it's important to go ahead and have all of this data structured in a way that you can pass through it, understand those three things, which is what's important, what's unusual, what's the next action I want to take out of it, and make it accessible to everybody within uh, within the agency. You make it sound so simple, right? What's important? What's unusual? What's my next action? But unfortunately, it's getting harder because, as you said, there's so much data. Let me start with the silo piece. Do you still see silos across organizations? We, I thought we accomplished, we got past this years ago. I thought we understood but you have to have information sharing, right? We've got to connect the dots. How many times have we heard that? But are silos creeping back in? I think the challenge in agencies and various organizations is the data is always siloed. What we mean by that is, yes, we may be combining the data into a single platform. We may be making it accessible and shareable with each other. But do you really understand the relationships between the different types of data that you have? Can you go ahead and understand Take for example the cyber threat, or, or like you know, uh, if you, if you if we're looking at cyber intelligence and cyber threat, there is data that's coming from the web assets, and you need to understand where uh, threats are coming there. You need to understand how, like you know, the the networks are designed, how uh, like you know, different users are using the platforms, which accounts have access to. There's a lot of complexity and different data assets, and it's not just about can you just break the silo, put it into a single system, but can you build for example, a graph on top of it, so you understand the entities, but also their relationships. So you can then figure out how to make better decisions on top of it. That will let you make more better decisions. So it's not just having more data, break down the silos, but also understand the relationships between these data assets 
is critical for uh, for all the agencies. I appreciate the fact you define silo because I think what people think when they hear silo is takes us back to the mid 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s, where, oh, well, you have your database and I have my database and they don't interact and, and talk. And now we've all, well, we have these big data lakes and we have data yeah. oceans and, and data space, right? Because there's so much data out there. But really what you're talking about when you talk about silos is how do the two pieces talk to each other, interact? That is a very difficult challenge for a lot of agencies because they're, they're not familiar with, with how to use data from point A and point B and point C to, to get to point D. Why is that so difficult? Is this just the next stage of, of understanding and managing data or is there something else that's missing? Yeah, let's take an example and then we can go into details of the challenges that come together, right? Like, uh, and, and I've spent like, uh, before joining Neo4j, I spent five and a half years in big data space. I, I led the product uh, uh, management for data analytics at Google Cloud and I saw this everywhere. And I've, I, I see this uh, in, uh, in large organizations like like our our agencies, our, like you know, defense uh, and and all the different places. Take supply chain for example. When you think about supply chain, think about the supply network that's being built to move items across the whole global locations. And if, let's say U.S. Army, U.S. Army uses Neo4j to like you know track all of their supply uh, supply networks and do the supply chain analytics. It requires bill of material, which are like, what are the different products that are there? How are they interlinked with each other? That comes from one a different data, database. Where the products are actually in different places, locations and all, that may come from a very different place. And then ability to go ahead and bring real-time data, as well as the historical where the products are, that's a very different kind of a data set. And then using all of that to provide like more risk analysis, like now you have to run algorithms and say, hey, what is the impact of, let's say, a hurricane in one location, and what happens to the disrupt? Like, no, when the supply chain gets disrupted in that particular because of that activity, that requires knowing everything before, after, what alternatives are. So, as we think about making these complex decisions, you have to get data from different places and break the silos, but also understand what the relationship between all these different data assets is. And you have to do that in large scale and in real time, and then apply algorithms to figure out how to do better on that. So I think I think that is what we mean. It's, you know, you're absolutely right. A while back, we should talk about, can two databases talk to each other? Now we are talking about, no, can two data assets collected from multiple databases can come together, understand the relationship between them, and then make a better decision on top of it. I think your example of the hurricane is great because we see this, all of us see it, when there's a hurricane that hits New Orleans, a lot of gas refineries there, all of a sudden they go offline, they get slowed down, infrastructure gets damaged by a hurricane, all of a sudden gas prices in Maine or North Dakota or wherever rise because the, the pipe, the supply chain is impacted. Do you get a sense that agencies are starting to see those connections more because of things like my example or your example of the hurricane, but also now throughout the pandemic, right? Unfortunately, we got to continue to talk about the pandemic, but that, that also was a huge disruptor to the supply chain. No, absolutely, yes. And, and we see this happening in different agencies. We see different use cases using uh, using technologies like graphs to map out the, the physical world into a, a software world and do more of these analysis. And so we are seeing this lot and lot, lots in various agencies where agencies are becoming better and better, not just collecting, but also understanding. Another example I will give you is like, you know, global tax organizations use graph technology like Neo4j to go ahead and do uh, analysis of compliance analytics, right? Like 
like imagine all of uh, United States, 300 plus million people who is filing taxes, who is not, are they filing accurate taxes? What happens when people who are evading taxes and but there are different transactions that you know that are happening. So if you can correlate people, taxes, what, who is claiming which type of taxes, and if you can correlate that data with all the other transactions, now you can easily figure out like where the tax evasion is happening. And so again, a completely different example from a weather part, but the, the whole uh, tax compliance is a great example of a complex world, lots of data, lots of people, lot of transactions coming together to help agencies uh, like, like, uh, like you know, tax agencies to, to make sure that uh, we are, they're getting the tax compliance. You mentioned the silos. You mentioned how agencies are overcoming those silos and kind of breaking them down. There are other uh, obstacles too that I think they have to keep in mind and, and, and try to overcome. Are you seeing where other what where are some of the other areas you're seeing that agencies still are struggling to make sense of their data? Where are some of those other roadblocks that that you know whether it's people, process, or technology? I, I think there are various areas where we need a lot more. Uh, like no improvements, I would say access to this data. So like the first step is break the silos, get the data. Second step is, can you make sense of that data relationships and all? The third thing I think is like democratization of data and insights within the agency. Like, do you have access to the right insight at the right place for every individual who's making the decision? And I think there is a lot more work we can do in that regard and where, where and newer technologies can help a lot, right? Like there is the whole wave of generative AI technologies coming in, which can give you natural language kind of an interface to your agency data. And you can like, if you had all the data map, let's say in a graph, leveraging generative AI technology to use natural language on that and ask questions and get answers and, and just democratize access to that, that insights will actually help everybody uh, within all the agencies and within all the programs. Uh, so that's, I think the one area there is a lot more opportunity for everybody to uh, to uh, to work on the other area that i do believe is there are still uh, lots of complex like in a, in a lot of large agencies there are a lot of complexities in them where i think we can we can like you know leverage technologies like graph to solve a lot of problems that may be there one thing that comes to my mind is um, just the complexity of our veterans affairs like in that area think about it it's tracking assets people services the backlog, the records, the access to providers for our veterans. Like there is so much complexity, so much data. It's a massive organization. So I think like in, in that kind of an environment, there may be more opportunities to get like, you know, efficiency by bringing all of this data assets into, uh, into, uh, into systems like graphs and, and get, get better um, efficiency across the whole uh, agencies. But just one example that came to my mind when you asked me where we can do better, I think. So here it only took you about 12 minutes to get us to talk about generative AI. So that may be a good job. Uh, you, you held back, I know. But in all seriousness, uh, I think one of the big obstacles is understanding how those new and emerging technologies like generative AI, like natural language processing and more can fit into the data and how to use it. Because there's also the concern that, okay, am I using the data in the way that I intended it to? Or am I gonna open a Pandora's box of sorts that could, could put me in a tough spot? And then there's the cyber concerns too. How, how do you see customers? And, and as you talk to agencies, how do you, again, I'll go back to striking that right balance. Yeah, no, I think first of all, see, uh, there's always a wave of technologies that come in and, and we all know it's going to have profound impact on our environment, right? And, and generative AI is one of them, chat GPT, 
actually normalized and made made AI understandable for everybody, right? And that was a great thing. But again, like some of these technologies, you have to be like, you know, you have to grow with them. You have to learn where they are good, where they're not. The way I think about it is it's math versus English, right? So when we went to school, we learned math. This was computer science, computer programming. It gives you math. It always gives you the same answer, accurate answer. Generative AI is English language. It's creative. It answers questions based on some data and facts, but it's, it was built to generate content, right? So, so therefore, it can hallucinate. It will basically give you answers that may not be accurate. So as agencies look at these newer technologies, there are a few things to worry about. One, data privacy, data security, making sure that you're not using, like, you know, passing data that you don't want to open up. How do you make your secure data? Second, how do you make sure you're getting accurate answers? So this is why grounding the, the generative AI technology with your knowledge that you have in the agency is super important. Like if you have a knowledge graph, you can make sure that the answers are accurate and coming out of the, the knowledge you have built, not just with generated. So bringing these things together is really valuable. And the third thing I would say is the most important thing I always uh, uh, suggest is start small, use few use cases, and implement it and learn from it and figure out how you want to do it. So once you have learned with few smaller use cases, then scaling across the agencies is possible and, and more doable. So I would take one program, figure out what, what you learn from that and then expand it across for the whole agency. Like any new technology, like anytime folks are getting into things that they're not quite familiar with, start small, learn, continue to grow. So here, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network. Looking for cutting-edge solutions within government? Neo4j has you covered. Step into the future with Neo4j, the leaders in graph database and analytics. Neo4j's advanced graph technology helps organizations uncover hidden relationships and patterns across billions of data connections deeply, easily, and quickly. Neo4j makes connections that empower government agencies and ignite the potential of their data. Discover more at Neo4j.com and join our vibrant community of data leaders. That's Neo4j.com. My guest today is Sidhir Hasbe, the Chief Product Officer for Neo4j. Sidhir, we talked in the last segment about some of the obstacles, and you brought up this idea of start small, understand what you're doing, learn from those lessons, get bigger. But you also brought up the, some of the challenges around silos and data privacy and security and, and those things you have to worry about. Another big challenge that I want to maybe talk to is creating data analytics silos and how easy that can be for agencies because you're doing data analytics and I'm doing data analytics, but we're not doing it together. So we're missing that opportunity to take advantage of each other's learnings. Maybe talk a little bit about how agencies can avoid creating those type, those new silos. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And also my early recommendation on like start small. And if you start small in multiple places and create silos of that data elements and do different kinds of analysis in silos and, and not think broadly, that is also a problem that happens. And you know, when you want to move fast with an agency, let's say program A, program B, they both want to go ahead and move fast. They will put some analytical systems in place and you can you can do uh, well there. But But I think one of the key things to like also for agencies to think about is, how do you build like a common like you know platform that we can get all the data across all of the programs across the agency and then have a shared analytics platform like put everything in graph technology or something where you understand the relationship between all of these entities understand how they interact with each other and have a single place to like you know, analyze all of that data i would actually get, go a little further than that like 
whenever you also have an agency to agency uh, sharing or like, you know, you want to do some analysis of data across uh, different departments like agencies or, or programs, it's important to have that common analytics layer, which allows you to share information with, uh, with the relationships and entities and all that. And that's where graph technology works really, really well, where it can bring all of these different things together. I will give you one example. A uh, lot of our uh, users in, in, in different places, like one of our common use cases in the, uh, basically uh, uh, intelligence analytics, which is like, you know, different police departments wanting to go ahead and analyze, solve cases. They basically have like different police departments have different data. Then you have like some specific, in a particular case, you will get some data from, let's say, a different agency, and then you will merge all of that together and understand. So having that like, you know, graph layer that allows different agencies to interact in that shape only for temporary period or the for longer period is a great way of solving that problem. But plus one to having some strategy that brings the whole agency-wide analytics in one platform so you can all look at all data at the same time. So here, I'm going to take us maybe a whole step back in our conversation. And, and uh, I think you mentioned this several times, but I want to make sure folks understand. You keep saying these graphs, graph layers and graphs. I will admit, when I think here graphs, I want to go to my graph paper. I want to go back to elementary school and, and dot my, 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 you know, this is going up as that goes down. But I know you're meaning more than that. But maybe just give us 30 seconds of what, when you say graph layers, what do you mean? Yeah. So graph, like, you know, there are various ways of storing data and like, you know, uh, like in using data sets and databases and all that. Graphs are a specific way where you basically focus on what are the key entities within your agency and their relationships between them. For example, you can have people, people, each other, people can be related to a specific product. People can be related to like, you know, they have reviewed some products. They have like, you know, if you, if you're looking at that. So another example is supply chain. If you think about supply chain, it is billions of products that you have and each product may be related to other product and to get one product you need to go ahead and procure this other product so that it's available so that relationship storing information of not just there are billion products and there are other things that relationship between products in a real uh, simpler way is what graph technology does another great example is bill of material if you look at lockheed martin uh they're they're manufacturing right when they manufacture for different missions they have massive bill of material. If you need to build a rocket, imagine how many millions and millions of parts are required. They all parts are linked to each other. And if you want to know what happens if this part is missing in the whole process and you need to procure it, and what will be the delay for the whole program, you'll basically be able to analyze that. So graphs are a mechanism of say storing and analyzing information in form of entities and their relationships and then dependencies across them. I appreciate that explanation. I think, again, we just want to be clear that so folks, you keep saying yeah. graphs. What do you mean? So so thank you for that. Because I think that's key. And I, let's, let's go down that pattern because through this analytics, through these graphs, you can see those patterns. You can understand those relationships. When you talk to agencies, do they kind of make that connection? Oh, so if X happens, that has Y, Z implications. Are they starting to understand that more? Yeah, they are. Like, And this is where we see like a six out of seven intelligence agencies uh, in United States use graph technology and Neo4j for these use cases, right? Like when you have things, think about when you have data in rows and columns, Excel, everybody has seen that data. It's easy when this data is small to do row, column, I can understand. Imagine now billions of data points and millions of relationships. It's super hard in that format to understand. 
But if you have that same thing represented as billion points related to other billion points, and now you want to do, for example, you want to figure out like money laundering and what's happening across the globe and who is sending money in like fraud rings, you can easily on a visual level and graph see, oh, this entity started sending the money to these thousands of people. They sent to other thousand people. And finally it landed with this, like, you know, uh, bad agency that we are all tracking in intelligence. Now that is really easy to do when you store it at like, you know, entities, relationships and graphs. And that's exactly the kinds of use cases uh, you can solve with graph technology. And agencies are using that, like, you know, for various different use cases. But intelligence agencies, this is super critical when, when they start looking at it. That same challenge is even, you could do it on the other side of it, right? You brought, you, you brought up the idea of uh, stopping terrorism or looking for bad actors or, or however, but the opposite is also true. Where does the grant money that HHS gives out, yes. how does that flow to the community and understanding, oh, that grant money went to this state, which went to this organization, went to this person or these set of people, and now their lives are better. So I think I think that's a great example of understanding those Absolutely. relationships. You nailed it. And also like grant money, but think about HSS, uh, like our health and human services, the grants that they're giving to uh, different research organizations and the impact of that research organization on the, let's say, a different drugs that are coming out and how that is basically. So this is like a complex view, right? Like I think that, that I think is the biggest value for the whole, uh, whole agency is like ability to track complex web of information, which is all interconnected. And when you look at rows and columns, you will see, oh, I gave this grant to this agency, but you don't know what they did with the next one and the next one and next one. And the ability to traverse that graph is an important uh, value that you can get. The other piece that I just want to touch upon is this also opens the door to, uh, if you will, what else can we do with this data? How else can this data drive better mission decisions? Uh, are you starting to see some discussion or some some questions around uh, what, what else can we do? Where else can we go with this? What What's next? Yeah, I think that's a great question, right? As I was saying, uh, as you get this relationship and data mapped out in form of graphs, there's a lot more like, you know, analytical risk analysis, like what happens if some stuff goes out? We talked about a weather case, but imagine with COVID suddenly there were few factories that were shut down in China or, or something went wrong and the, you could, your supply network gets disrupted. If you wanted to do what if analysis of that and run an algorithm, it's much easier when you know the distribution of the, the, the next n number of entities that are going to get impacted with that across the agency. And, and this becomes super critical in supply chain. It, it's really important in intelligence threat analysis. One of the other big use cases this is really relevant is cyber. And so if uh, if you look at the cybersecurity and cyber threats, uh, one of the best examples is the Periton Threat Board, which many of the agencies use. That actually is built on Neo4j's graph technology. And it allows you to do this complex threat analysis based on all the different events that are coming and what the relationships are. So I think that that's a great example of, of what more you can do. Those are from like different kinds of use cases and all. But I think as the newer technologies come together, one of the big things I am a big believer of is in democratizing data and insights. And I think once you have this knowledge captured about different entities and making it more and more accessible to, to the users within the organization is going to be like, you know, game changer. And this is where uh, like, you know, uh, natural language interfaces to knowledge graphs are becoming going to become more and more interesting. We already have some of the 
agencies as well as some of the key uh, players uh, looking at like you know that that supply the manufacturers like that supply to the um, uh, different agencies are looking at those technologies to like democratize insights uh, in uh, with us. As you talk about this uh, use of graphs, the use of understanding the data, the relationships, breaking down the silos, is this also going to put more pressure on the workforce? Do you see a workforce that needs to evolve into understanding how to make those connections? You talk about democratizing data earlier. That always sounds great until I don't know how to use that data. I don't understand what this data means. Is that another concern that kind of comes up across uh, agency customers and private sector customers? Yeah, I think there is always like, you know, when you look at information in a different way, I think naturally there is some kind of training and, and uh, like, you know, like evolving the knowledge and expertise is required. Till the time you're in Excel, taking at rows columns, you, you know that it's such a natural experience in Excel. When you look at graphs and how the graphs can help you solve different problems, of course, you want to be able to be more familiar with the technology, with the with the, the tooling that's available. And we do work with a lot of agencies, training them and, and making these technologies accessible to them. But this is why I was saying like, and then as the technology evolves, having more natural language interface to the graph data makes it more accessible to more people within the agency. So I think that's why I'm I'm super uh, passionate and, and also uh, like you know, excited about about that uh, that side of the uh, the technology evolution. And I think the natural languaging piece, as you brought up, is really important because again, well, I'm not a data scientist. What do I know about this? No, you can make it easy. Ask a question, and hopefully, you can get a pretty good answer. And the other one more area, I think, Jason, I will I will add there is, you know, graph technology and taking the data, mapping it into graphs is it's great to have this explicit relationships, right? Like for example, you're able to go ahead and store all these different entities, their relationships and all. And with more and more newer technologies, now you can also get the implicit relationship. So you can take, for example, you can take your knowledge articles or the parts, like, you know, uh, uh, like data that you have for every part within a, within a uh, like, you know, program or a mission. And then you can basically have some unstructured documents that you may be storing for it like parts manuals and all, you can convert that and also store it in graphs. And now you can search on top of that data. So it's not just like you have structured entities and relationships, but these documents, this unstructured data images, those can also be part of the same data assets. And you can then get benefit out of both like structured and unstructured data that agencies have. And what comes to my mind is imagine uh, like Lockheed Martin, which has like massive manufacturing side, they have a bill of material that's stored in graphs, but the parts manual may not be there yet. Now you put the parts manual along with bill of material, it unlocks so many different ways. Like I want to fix, I want to go ahead and fix some problem that's there in particular uh, program. Hey, how do I do it? Or, oh, just search for the documents, figure it out. And then what parts do I need along with it? You can solve that problem. So I think I'm, that, that's the other big part of the, uh, the whole system, which is like, implicit and explicit relationships, bringing them together to solve problems. Well, solving the unstructured and structured data challenge has been something we've talked about for years and years and years. So it sounds like there's some some hope at the uh, in the future, some light at the end of the tunnel. But unfortunately for us here, we're out of time. So let me thank my guest. Sudhir Asbe is the Chief Product Officer for New York 4J. Sudhir, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jason. I'm Jason Miller. You've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. 
Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.